All right, hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast where we actually have the uh, undefeated, undisputed skunk dick of the week, Mims Carter, on our show. Can you believe that, Leighton? <laughs> well, I kind of have to believe it because uh, I've seen the emails where he set up the appointment with us. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, I, I know, uh, Mims, uh, before we get started, uh, we like to always ask our guests uh, some burning questions about their background. And I know the burning question that uh, our fans have had is how uh, someone named Mims Carter actually turns out to be a man. Well, how many women do you know named Mims? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a very good point, but uh, the reason why I brought that up is uh, when when. Charlie first talked about the uh, the Mims uh, rating on iTunes. He, uh, we were talking. We both thought it was a woman, and then all of a sudden we're like, "Wait, this is a guy." <laughs> Where does the name come I know, from? My, my, it's a family name. Family it's name. Uh, actually not uncommon down here in, in the South. And uh, my uh, parents wanted to name me after one of their relatives whose last name was Mims. They thought I was going to be a, a a girl, and so her first name was Sarah. <laughs> And and so they, um, I think, quite wisely uh, chose the last name instead of uh, the first. You know, it served me well. You're not the first one to make that mistake. I remember my uh, first year of uh, college, I was assigned to a women's dorm um, because of my name. You know, they ignored everything else on my. And that unfortunately, is they, I would not have changed. Yeah, I tried not to, but, especially after I saw my roommate. But, you know. <laughs> Well, considering uh, my dad claims to this day that he pulled my name out of a dream where he was walking down a street and saw it up in shiny lights up on those old marquees, I, I don't quite know what to make of that. I do. Your dad is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard but such my, accusations. If, yeah, if my dad had done that, I would have been named uh, Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Bourbon Carter. Well, My why God. not seven? Come on. Go into show business. Uh, interestingly enough, see, this is what I like about our fans, Leighton. Um, fans slash listeners, I guess. <laughs> they have a good sense of humor. Um, we did uh, a commercial. <laughs> you remember that podcast episode where we tackled all the skeptical podcasts? We got a lot of angry email, including from <laughs> one uh, <laughs> listener who just castigated us about uh, um, coming down hard on reasonable doubts. And then we made the commercial about the Boner Derm Skin Thickening Cream. Yes, we did. He actually wrote back saying uh, we thought it was really funny, and his friend who he told about the whole thing found it even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, his friend listened to it beforehand and then pointed it out to him because they yeah. had been in the conversation. So i got to say, I'm impressed with the sense of humor of our, our listeners to come back uh, um, and, and, and you know be able to laugh at yourself. I think that's fantastic. And this is kind of the same thing that happened with Mims here, because uh, he wrote to us after hearing uh, the inaugural uh, Mims Carter Award and actually stated that he was just listening to one more of our podcasts to see if we would mention his review. And now it seems we've got him hooked. But, Mims, you did actually comment in one of your emails that you may have to go back and write a glowing review. And I'm sorry, I staunchly refuse to accept that review. You are our lowest reviewer, and we cannot accept you changing that. Don't take away our two-star review. I'll, I'll have my daughter write it then. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was the one that uh, I, uh, 
I, I told her uh, about the podcast, and she went on, and, and she got a kick out of it and said, Dad, they think you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, you know, I emailed her back, and I said, well, I'm making some changes in my life. <laughs> it was a prophecy. But I, 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 I agree with your uh, – I tell you what. It is hard to stay mad with you guys for very long. You know? <laughs> well, I actually, I actually really, really enjoyed. Uh, uh, I enjoy your podcast. I enjoyed uh, the last couple ones of, uh, where you had the Egyptologist on, and uh, last night I listened to uh, your review of uh, early Christian persecution. And I'm really looking forward to next week for the next uh, podcast. Well, I, I don't think we're ever going to have Eva back on because I've decided not to let her out of the kitchen anymore. <laughs> God, <laughs> talk about a good sport. She's a really fantastic sport. Denali, come on good. once, but come back on again. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was I wonderful. think she's sadistic, personally, but that's just my <laughs> thoughts. Entirely possible. Well, let's get into your background. Um, you you said you'd been you've been an atheist for four decades. Is that right? When did you convert or deconvert? Well, I was uh, kind of raised a nominal Catholic. I went to a Catholic uh, grade school. And I think about the time I was 12, you know, this this doesn't work, <laughs> you know. Um, and I really didn't uh, think about it much. Um, I had a, uh, I, I grew up in a good situation. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was sent to Catholic school. Uh, my parents were uh, nominally Catholic. I went to church. Uh, basically, what would happen is my dad would drop us all uh, the kids off at church on Sunday and then go play golf. But he also had a wonderful library, and I remember I was in a program, uh, which I don't know if they run uh, great books anymore, uh, but there was a junior great books program he got me involved in. And I remember one of the books we read was uh, The Voyage of the Beagle by Darwin, and uh, I basically began uh, reading a lot about biology and science, it didn't. It made a lot more sense than than uh, the stuff uh, my religion class at Catholic school was throwing at me. Which how I old, mean I about old, twelve. You were twelve and you read Voyage of the Beagle. Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, uh, junior grade books. Uh, it was a selection. You know, I didn't uh, go pick it out myself, but it was uh, it was probably around twelve, thirteen, something like that, that. That's some awfully dry reading for twelve or thirteen. You're yeah. talking fifth grade. Well, you know they. Uh, now uh, that program, I don't know if uh, you've ever heard of it, but uh, it was it was for the the, the geeks of the time, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we read uh, uh, Lives of the Romans and uh, Shakespeare and uh, Darwin and and uh, really what what uh, uh, was some uh, cut above uh, literature, and that was the whole purpose of the program. I'm I'm glad they did that, and like I say, he, he had a. a very good library. He, my father was an engineer, uh, had a lot and enjoyed books and good music, and uh, so I had I had a, uh, uh, a a childhood where uh, to become skeptical was uh, was entirely possible. How well, did your parents feel about you becoming an atheist in the fifth grade? Well, also the question is: Is were your both your parents Catholic? I mean, you state that your your dad was an engineer, and yet you're reading a book about Darwin at the age of twelve. I mean, it seems almost a contradiction in terms. Well, Latin Catholics are more accepting of evolution than Protestants. Ah, I uh, well, okay, I'm in my fifties, so we're talking about uh, the sixties, and 
it was kind of a different era. I don't ever remember much about, at least in, in, in my household or in the uh, community in general, doubting evolution. And like I said, my father was, my, my mother was, uh, was not a, um, a Catholic. Uh, she had grown up, uh, my dad, uh, was from New Orleans, uh, which is where I was born. And my mom was from the Delta region in Mississippi and grew up probably uh, mostly Episcopalian. She was divorced, and so that was a big issue for my dad, too. And I think that was one of the reasons he wasn't. So he wanted to give his children a Catholic education. He had had his issues with the church because he married a divorced woman. And he was kind of on the outs with it, and I don't think he felt welcome in the church, though he supported the school and supported the parish and, uh, like I say, uh, made sure he dropped us off at uh, church before tea time on Sunday. (laughs) Catholics, again, don't tend to be Bible-thumping. That's more Protestants. Um, uh, But he wasn't uh, hugely conservative or... um, uh, I guess very. Uh, uh, did he did he ever push the religion on you or, or force you to go to church all the time? I mean, Catholic Catholicism is so different than Mormonism. It's hard to even compare the two upbringings. Well, I did guess you, uh, right, right. It, it, in other words, you know, um, and I know a bit about your your Mormon background. It wasn't an, an enveloping um, way of life. For us, I mean, our life did not revolve around Catholicism or anything. Uh, my dad left it up to the the, the nuns in the school to uh, drill the religion into me. He did, didn't do it. I would classify probably if if I would have to uh, classify what both of my parents were. Actually, it was maybe deists. I'm sure they believed in God, but uh, you know they weren't strictly dogmatic about it. So, no, I, I never got from them at home anything but the most basic assumption. Yeah, you know, there's a God. We you leave live, it up to the priest to tell you about it. You live in Mississippi right now. Did you grow up in Mississippi? No. Um, I grew up in New Orleans and uh, Michigan, believe it or not. My dad was uh, uh, an engineer, and he was transferred uh, to the corporate offices in Michigan uh, when I was in high school. In, in No, probably in grade school. Well, one curious question is, uh, from the sounds of it, you became an atheist at a very young age, and your parents were dogmatic, as you've stated. Did you uh, come out and out and tell them about your doubts, about your disbelief? Did you you hide it? How did they react to it? Well, you know, it never really came up. It was never really a big deal. They didn't uh, come down to me, and and, um, I never said, you know, this is... I just don't believe it. I went to the Catholic school, you know. They realized it was it was hard on me, but mostly because they knew that uh, that those nuns were, were really they were mean. I mean, goodness! I had uh, Dominican nuns, and they were they were a bunch of loons. You know? I mean, they were out where the buses don't run. But we we they were convinced that uh, it provided a better education than the uh, the public school. Uh, when I was in, um, when I got to high school, to ninth grade, they they backed off, and I went to a public high school, and really never went to church again. And the funny thing is, is uh, you know they started seeing me develop, you know, my reading. I, I started reading uh, Martin Buber and uh, you know James Joyce and and a whole bunch of different stuff. And uh, I think they were just like, 
they didn't want to challenge it. They they saw I was uh, progressing in my own way intellectually, and 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 then when I went to college, I actually chose a school that had the the best undergraduate comparative religion department that I could find in the area, which was Western Michigan University, where I had the great opportunity to study study under uh, Dr. E. Thomas Lawson, who went on to um, found the um, Royal University of Belfast Center for uh, Culture and Cognition, and was a, a, a wonderful guide to a scientific study of religion. He's mentioned uh, prominently in uh, some of Daniel Dennett's books, particularly Breaking the Spell, as uh, an example of, of uh, getting into a, a study of religion from a scientific point of view. And so I ended up, you know, here I'm an, an atheist from an early age, and I went on to study uh, comparative religion. Go figure. Yeah, late, both Leighton and I have mentioned that, that the study of religion has become a lot more interesting once you're outside of it. Looking from the outside in, it's a lot more interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, before I became an atheist, I never even cracked the Bible open. In fact, I hated <laughs> opening it. Now I crack it open because everything I find in it is funny as hell. Yeah, and I do think the study of comparative religion, other than the, the study of um, like textual criticism, other than that, comparative religion is probably the most corrosive to religious belief <laughs> of any of the subjects. <laughs> Although it, yeah. for, you, for you it was history, right, Leighton? Yeah, for me it was history. In other words, the, the only thing worse than studying other religions is really studying the Bible. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and you figure out that this stuff... <laughs> Even even granting you know basic presuppositions, this stuff doesn't hold together. It's not. You know, these people say that oh, the, the Bible is one harmonious text, and that's a miracle written you know by dozens of authors over hundreds of years. How could that be possible? Uh, and then you actually look at the Bible itself, and it's anything but harmonious. Indeed, you know, and, and growing up a Catholic, of course, we never read the Bible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Catholics don't really like that, right? They they'd be happy if you could rewind the clock back to where only the priests read, and so they could kind of spoon feed you all this stuff. Well, I had a had many priests friends actually, and and, and most of them were ex priests. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember talking to one uh, while he was still a priest, and and he and I said, you know, we never read the Bible. What, what's up with that? And he said, well. If you come to church every Sunday and read the Gospels, you know, and listen to us, you you will hear the priest reading the whole Bible over the course of a year. And so, you know, you're right. <laughs> they want to do. They want to have the priest reading it. They don't trust you to do it. They actually read what is it, Chronicles, where it's just this guy begat this guy, this guy begat that guy. They actually read that in church. No, they don't. Ugh. You know, they really <laughs> don't. You know, again, you know, he was he was. Uh, confabulating a bit, you know. Yeah. And they, they read the important parts. Right. Okay? Yeah. Right. The stuff that still, you know, resonates. They, they probably don't read Second Kings where those two she-bears come out and uh, tear up 40 children just for calling Elisha baldy. <laughs> Second Kings nothing. I want to find a priest out there that'll read the passages that teach you how to rape a woman and then keep her for the rest of your life. Yeah, that stuff probably doesn't get read either. Or the no, stuff and in... you know, the, the, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, they 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 highly uh, cut parts out of that. Yeah, and only 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 tell you the end. You mean right. they don't talk about raping the angels? No, they don't talk about <laughs> offering um, um, you know, your daughters instead of yep. the angels to the crowd. You know, take my virgin daughters instead. Right. Or sure. that part afterwards. Yeah. You know, where the daughters get a, get um him drunk and. <laughs> They think By the way, being... I just I just got Robert Crumb's uh, book on 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 the first few uh, books of the Bible. Have you seen that? Do you know who Robert Crumb is? Robert Crumb's the comic book artist. Uh, yeah. He he yeah. wasn't. He did a, a thing about the Bible. Yeah, he just came out with a book. He did an illustrated uh, 
starts with, you know, the beginning of the Bible, goes through the uh, first few books, through Genesis and all that stuff. And I tell you, I saw it in this bookstore, and I immediately turned to that uh, particular episode of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah to see what he did. And he, and he, and he, did, um, he did it justice. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> you guys would, oh, it is wonderful. You I've got to track know. that down. Yeah, yeah that sounds uh, like I some good worthwhile that. reading there. Yeah, yeah, if you don't know who he is, Leighton, he's this um, the kind of eccentric uh, comic book artist um, who was really famous, I think, in the late 60s and 70s, wasn't he? He's old. Yeah, he's like me. He's old. You know, I remember <laughs> when I, I was a kid, um, you know, the other kids were reading uh, Marvel comics and, you know, Spider-Man and all that, I, and I like that, but uh, Robert Crumb was doing these countercultural uh, comic yeah. books uh, with Mr. Natural and the uh, fabulous furry <laughs> freak brothers. Yeah, he's fantastic. How, yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. And, of course, he did uh, that uh, series with Harvey Pekar, American Splendor, where he followed this uh, guy around uh, Cleveland who was an eccentric character. I don't know. It was made into a movie a few years back. But it, yeah. it, it's a wonderful kind of graphic novel. Yeah, i got to track that one down. I may so, have to look up his work for once. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we've got you uh, until your college. Uh, now, you graduated from college, and then what did you do? Um well, I, uh, while I was in college and I had a, a few detours here, uh, I was uh, given uh, a free trip to Indochina on behalf of the, the government to Vietnam for a while. And I returned and got my degree. And by the way, that's, you know, where I, I really disagree with, you know that saying, there are no atheists in the foxhole. I hate that saying. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's pretty insane, you know, I... I are one, or I was yeah. one, and uh, what I knew bothers a lot me of most about that saying is they just put it out there as if uh, there's no refuting it. It's just a fact. When <laughs> when people get scared, they turn to God apparently, as if even granting their premise that's a good thing, or it says anything about the existence of God whatsoever. It actually speaks more to if it were true, uh, the fallibility and emotional nature of human beings it has nothing about the existence of God. Well, I've, you know, uh, it it kind of reinforced, uh, you know, my belief there wasn't no God. I mean, how could you're, such misery? Yeah, you're talking yeah. about your experiences in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, and my experiences in Katrina too, because you know I'm yeah. down here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I lost my uh, home and my business, and and really my community was was washed away, and uh, it just it really annoys. <laughs> You know, and we had a lot of faith-based groups come down here and help out. And uh, and I, I could talk later. We could have another issue, uh, another whole talk on uh, what I feel about faith-based uh, charity groups and getting federal funding. It's uh, it's really a travesty. Um, they, I love how the, the uh, conservatives are talking about how Obama is just destroying the Constitution. <laughs> and yet they're all in support. <laughs> of George Bush's uh, just destruction of the separation of church and state. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's well, something... you know, faith-based, uh, and to be, to be fair, the faith-based efforts uh, originated in that, that wonderful uh, you know, Southern Baptist President Bill Clinton. George Bush did enhance it, uh, that's true, but um, you know, to be fair, it started with Clinton. Really? That's very Yeah, it did. It did. You know, and, and, and like I said, he, he's kind of like Obama, and, and I'll tip my hand, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real knee-jerk uh, progressive liberal, and I, I loved uh, the, uh, the Clinton years, and and of course, hated the Bush and Reagan years. But you know, Obama's the same way. Uh, Clinton had that weak spot on on his religion, and so does Obama. It, it, yeah. So it seems. Obama we has keep it... hearing that it's going to change. You know, I'm not real happy with with his uh, support of uh, 
the uh, faith-based initiatives. It's unfortunately, uh, in this political climate, it is unfortunately a reality where uh, even if you are an atheist or uh, you don't, you're not really religious, you still have to talk the talk, otherwise there's a massive constituency that will absolutely not vote for you. I would like to roll back the clock to the 50s and 60s where it really wasn't that important. Um, we've had outspoken atheists in office before, uh, and it seems like after the 50s and 60s, that's no longer uh, a po even a possibility, except well, within very, very liberal enclaves in the cities, in the, in the urban areas. Well, everything goes in cycles. I'm sure it'll go right back. Well, you know, know I remember... Uh, <laughs> You're more optimistic <laughs> than I am. I have to be, otherwise I'm going to have to kill somebody. Don't do that. I, I, I think you're right. You know, and I even remember back in the 60s we had uh, Barry Goldwater, who was, you know, a staunch conservative. But uh, that was at the beginning of the, uh, you know, the, the Christian taking over of the conservative movement, and he was right. vehemently against it. Yeah. Uh, anything else you could say about him, he was, he believed in the separation of church and state. And it wasn't a uh, political, you know, Democrat, Republican, left-right uh, issue back then. It was a constitutional issue. And that, I, that has I, changed. I wonder if the uh, that uh, taking over of the Republican Party, the conservative movement, by these ultra-right-wing religious conservatives uh, is eventually going to tear the party apart. I mean, with this whole teabagging movement where it's saying that you Republicans aren't Republican enough, or you're not religious enough, or you're not conservative enough, uh, and you've got these lunatic Tea Party idiots um, wanting to you know, secede from the Union in Texas, <laughs> castigating Obama for any... Um, Calling him a socialist and a communist, I mean, it's, it's bizarre to me. But I wonder if that is actually going to be the death knell of the Republican Party. I, who knows? It seems like they either have to leave that wacky section behind or completely embrace it and self-destruct. Or, as you said, maybe we should all just go down and teabag Chuck Norris. <laughs> I can take Chuck Norris. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen his roundhouse kick. you, you got to watch out for that. Yeah, but you haven't seen mine. <laughs> so, you um, came back... From Vietnam, what brought you to uh, Mississippi, the most religious well, state in the nation? Well, uh, I'll, I'll try to be brief. Uh, I eventually graduated, and I actually uh, became a, a, a counselor and a social worker. And I was in Michigan, but uh, I was thinking about going to graduate school and, and uh, studying comparative religion. And I had a friend who was already in grad school who became ill, and she wanted me to take on some... Uh, research projects on, on one of my one of my uh, interests was uh, pre-Columbian Central American religions the Mayans and she offered to basically fund a, a trip to uh, Central America and I said okay so uh, I went back there and when I came back to the States my my parents you know my family was in New Orleans and I had every intention of going back to Michigan but came back and my parents were not feeling well so I stayed with them and then I remembered why I loved New Orleans and hated you know Michigan winters so I, I, I stayed here and then um, I did various things I was a musician in New Orleans for a while uh, managed a, a nightclub and uh, was always planning on going back to uh, grad school but never got around to it 
And I ended up in Mississippi because I had I eventually got married and had a daughter. And at this time, it was in the early uh, 1990s, and New Orleans was not a place to try to raise a child. You know, that's a little bit of a contradiction there, uh, because in your email, you stated that being an atheist stopped you from getting laid. So did you have to drug your wife and then uh, knock her up for a <laughs> shotgun wedding? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> been reading my mail yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the only time i had any luck was in new orleans where you know women were drunk a lot <laughs> i like how you skipped over your study of the lamanites entirely <laughs> okay <laughs> so you realize all those south americans are just uh, uh lost jews right they um migrated over in what what was it late in 600 bc yeah, yeah, right. about 600 and, B.C. when Nephi and Lehi came across the ocean right. at and the Liahona. And then if they they sinned, their skins got really dark, <laughs> and if they were righteous, they got really light. Did you see any of that while you were over there? Absolutely. You know, I mean, <laughs> the first honest you know, scholar you know, we've you know, I almost converted to Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I saw skin pigmentation shifting back and forth like that, I would go back to Mormonism in a heartbeat. I would love to write uh, an article and submit it to a scholarly journal about the correlation between skin pigmentation and uh, uh, righteousness. righteousness. Yeah, immorality, <laughs> belief in the Mormon deity. Yeah, I'd like to see that too. <laughs> so I remember, you know, when I was uh, in uh, in college, I remember a couple of Mormons coming by and knocking on the door. Very nice young men, and they told me they had pictures of Christ's visit to the New World, and I let them in a. And actual, I said, cool. actual I, footage. I thought they had Polaroids, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought they had, like, Kodachrome. Right. Now they were just drawings. I was so disappointed, you know? Oh, yeah, I'd take it if it were actual footage, right? Yeah. Um, Christ coming out and uh, visiting the Lamanites. That's fantastic. I ended up in Mississippi, uh, moved out here because uh, uh, actually coastal Mississippi is wonderful. It has everything I like, which is, you know, I'm, I'm a gardener. I was a horticulturist and um, came out and started my own um, landscaping business and, and uh, retail nursery. I was two blocks from the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I could grow stuff year-round. I like to kayak, and it's wonderful kayaking, and, and it's just great, you know. Um, and Don't I they also have to... massive insects in Mississippi? Yeah, yeah. Don't you think that's yeah. punishment from God for being an atheist? That's a plague. That was one of the ten plagues of Egypt. No, no, no. This is no. Satan's doing, because oh. we all know if anything bad goes wrong, it's Satan. <laughs> I always wonder why they only bit me. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it seemed that way. So but, uh, what is it What is it like being an atheist in the most religious state of the nation? Where, what is it, like 90% of the, 9 out of 10 people say that they're absolutely certain that God uh, exists? Yeah, did you, did you all get a chance to read that uh, link to the editorial from uh, Natchez I sent you? Uh, I read it. I don't think Layton is capable of reading. I'm not sure he's literate. I don't uh, think you even forwarded it on to me, so kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> what, you read every other email? I got like three emails from Mims, and then when you had me in the car dialing him up saying we're going to be late, I noticed there were like six others that I hadn't even seen. <laughs> all right, here, well, let me for, forward for the... this to you. What, you expect us to stop the interview right now so I can read an article? <laughs> I know you're really slow, Leighton, oh, so uh, that, that, that will be difficult. 
Well, I am the dumb one on the podcast, which, by the way, entertains the hell out of me. <laughs> because it's true. Well, if you had yeah, a Cro Magnon forehead, that's true, you know. <laughs> See. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Does this mean I uh, I can be nominated for the Mims Carter Skunk Dick just for being dumb? Uh, let's yeah. see. I think it's more your sexism, um, pedophilia. No, no one's against pedophilia. <laughs> and lack of <laughs> compassion to the Christian persecutions that really does it. Oh, God. If I could roll Christians up in pitch and burn them so I could see my garden at night, I'd do it. Mims, we got a... Uh... <laughs> We got a review uh, castigating us for being uh, uncompassionate toward the persecutions of the Christians. I remember once uh, listening to an argument on a, a podcast between a theist and a non-theist. And, of course, the non-theist was bringing up the Bible and, you know, all that stuff in the Old Testament about uh, God ordering um, the Hebrews to slaughter everybody, you know, of another country and then getting mad because they didn't kill the women and children, too. So go back right. and do that. And the theist came back with this thing, well, you got to have sympathy for those Hebrew soldiers. You know, think of the trauma that, must have, uh, that they must have had because they had to do that. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know... I like that argument. It's exactly the same argument as uh, the the guy who killed his parents, and then his attorney, when he was found guilty, said, please, go easy on him in the sentencing, because he's an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's exactly the same reasoning, but, you know, that's all you can come up with, you know? Oh, oh God. That's in uh, Numbers 29, I think, where the Midianites are all slaughtered. And, the, you know, the, the Israelites are trying to do this, the right thing. They're, they're saying, look, we, we know you told us to kill everyone, but, God, there's just women and children. And Moses goes back and he says, yep, kill every male, child, and every woman who's had sex, but keep the virgins. That's, of course. Uh, and These actually, guys was, obviously have never been with a virgin. I was arguing that very point with Leighton's brother. Uh, Sean and and he said, well, you don't know uh, how they were uh, received. Maybe they were received into the camp with open arms. So I said, are you fucking kidding me? They've just slaughtered their mothers and fathers and brothers. How would you feel? You go, oh, well, I guess that's a good point. These people, they just their thinking process goes just as far as making them feel like they're comfortable, and then they stop altogether. Oh, I'm done. It's all about comfort. I, about I remember comfort. hearing, and this, well, there, obviously there's a lot of things that could annoy me about Christians down here, but I remember, and, you know, I've been involved in the uh, recovery movement since we had Katrina, and, um, and so I've been involved with a lot of faith-based groups, and I can tell you, you know, I've, I've met a lot of wonderful people down here who've come down to help, but the leadership is, well, for one thing, the organizations are just as corrupt as any organization you'd, you'd want to see, secular or non-secular. You know, they're all after money. Sure. And uh, it's it's not a pretty sight. But I remember, you know, I would go to these meetings of uh, these recovery groups. You know, they'd be all different faiths, and they'd have a preacher up there, and he'd say, you know, God didn't bring Katrina, but he brought all these wonderful people down here to help us <laughs> dig ourselves out. Wasn't that nice of God? Yes, yes. I'm awful glad that God wasn't in control of a giant storm headed towards yeah. the U.S. They, they never mentioned that uh, God failed to protect them against, you know, Katrina, or, or to failed to stop it, or failed to even move it, you know, uh, so that it went off to sea. But he was nice enough to bring all these people to help out. That makes sense if you don't live in the area and you, you're not subjected to this on a daily basis. It's the same as 
uh, saying, you know, there are kids starving in Africa. How could God allow this to happen, all that pain and suffering? And, you know, you come up with some stupid thing like, well, it's for people to, you know, demonstrate their compassion. Well, that's nice if you don't live in Africa. Or you're not subjected to that horrible suffering on a daily basis. It makes you feel better. It's the comfort thing again. Well, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, because of their, because of we are so uh, fervently believing in God down here, a lot of the locals believe that and cheered that and said, yeah, you know, they, they agree with it. It's, it's sure. just astounding to me. Makes them the feel level. good about this horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah. Hey, Leighton, um, Utah is number 12 in the nation, in uh, ranked by percent who say that religion is very important in their lives. We're, we're 66%, so that's two out of three people. Uh, but we're number two in worship attendance right after Mississippi. <laughs> well, see, what I'm reading on this, uh, as I'm trying to be a woman and do two things at once, what I'm reading on this is uh, there's a reason why Mississippi is so high on this list, uh, because they're the highest with illiteracy, obesity, so on and so forth. As education goes up, belief in religion goes down. That's, as far as I can see, there's no doubt in my mind why Mississippi's up so high on this. No doubt in mine either. And it's a point I try to make down here all the time. In writing uh, letters to the editor and uh, and uh, blogging and uh, you know talking to people, we are number one in, in belief in God and number one in teen pregnancies, obesity, yeah. just about every negative social parameter you can think of. And uh, you know it's uh, there's a correlation, causation. You know uh, I don't know. I just know that every um, every good study I've ever seen uh, shows that the only parameter you can see that links a society's well-being uh, to anything is education. The higher the education level, the better off people are, period. You know, this is this is a, a state that uh, has the highest high school dropout rate, and, and we just don't value it. And I, I think that's the worst thing, and I think all the other consequences we have come out of that. Was this article uh, entitled, Mississippi Focuses on What Matters, was that article yeah. serious? Because oh, yeah, I couldn't... Absolutely. I couldn't tell if they, they'd say such mind-boggling things. They'd say, from poverty and illiteracy to obesity and heart disease, Mississippi always seems to find itself at the top of the bad list or at the bottom of the good list. But last week, just before the nation paused to celebrate the birth of Christ, Mississippi made a number one appearance on perhaps the only list that will ultimately matter. Are they serious? How I could thought they that be was serious? sarcasm. It is not sarcasm oh at all. I wish it was. I, I truly wish it was, but it is true. You know, these are people that, um, I don't know, they, they de-link religion from daily life and how you live. It's, it's just, there's an automatic assumption that belief in God is good, even if there's no evidence that it is. The last one also blew me away. As refreshing as it is for the humble people of Mississippi to be number one in something, Mississippians certainly won't gloat. The majority of them, the oh, study God. confirms, takes their lead and example from the humble son of a Jewish carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't think I'd, I'd read something like this in Utah. I mean, does that... It kind of blew me away. When I spent some time down in Arizona, I was not prepared for coming back to Utah and and how much religion was a massive part of life and news and taken for granted. But even that, I don't think I'd find an editorial like this in Utah. It just blows me away. Well, that's because these slackers, you know, are number 12 behind that's right. us. And, and <laughs> well, well, at least we church. can say we're better than Arizona. Arizona is 33. <laughs> 
we'll attend church, but we don't really believe in anything. In Utah, it's a big social thing, right? That's your only social outlet after school is church. Well, I mean, it's just like the uh, the family baptism I was invited to just this last weekend. Uh, now, Charlie's wife is Mormon, and when Charlie told her that I was going to the baptism, the first thing she said is, why was he invited? And <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because, uh, I mean, it's it's my uh, my nephew. The, the kid adores me. And I'm sitting in church, and as soon as they started up the services, I pulled out my laptop, slapped it on my lap, and whipped the thing open to start doing some work while they did their jibber-jabber. And you would not believe all the dirty looks I got. I'm looking around going, hey, uh, it's either this or sleep. Yeah, Leighton, you might have been lynched in Mississippi. <laughs> you might have been. Or your your computer might have been lynched. You know, <laughs> it might not have made it out of the baptismal yeah. meeting. Couldn't I just say that it was Satan that was prompting me to do it? If you repented. <laughs> so but that's it, amazing. Um, it is amazing to me. So how, honestly, prevalent is this stuff like on the evening news or, or in the environment around you in the number one nation or number one uh, uh, state for religiousness? It, uh, it, it really, you know, it goes through the whole culture. Like we do have a few small atheist groups and uh, meetup groups and stuff in uh, the state, and, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about, and I'm sure this doesn't happen everywhere, I've been, you know, I've been around a lot of other states, lived in several others, but for instance, in in Utah, would it be common when you meet somebody, if you move, go to a new town, you know, uh, meet new people, is the first question they ask you after your name is, where do you go to church? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that's, relatively common. Oh, is. is it? Okay. Well, it's common down here. And, you know, it's like, uh, that that's people's attitude. You know, oh, hi, you know, what's your name? Where do you work? Do you, where do you go to church? Yeah. Well, I, and, I think you know, around here, they kind of take it for granted that, uh, that it's like Mormon hub. And so a lot of times, I think the reason why they ask it is because their intent is to point out the nearest ward house that you would be going to or something to that effect. And I think also it leads to the fact that uh, Mormons are real big on trying to convert you. So I, I think it, it, it plays kind of a double-edged role there. But in Utah, you can get away from it. If you really want to, you can get away from the religion. Is it possible in Mississippi to do that? It's hard. You know, I mean, uh, I was in a uh, convenience store the other day on a Sunday morning, you know, getting a newspaper and, uh, you know, some coffee. And the guy in front of me in a suit, you know, obviously just came from church, and he goes up to the uh, counter, and he looks at the uh, Asian uh, store owner and says, Have you been to church today? And he looks around and says... Have you all been to church today? You know, and you're going, geez, you know. What business is it of yours? You should have said, they think, why well, are you, you asking know, my... me when, when you're breaking the Sabbath? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is ubiquitous. Um, you know, it's, for instance, you know, I, I still work um, in the recovery effort for a nonprofit that is, it's uh, secular, though, you know, the uh, person who runs it and, a lot of people in it are deeply religious. And uh, we've been given an office space in an old Baptist church. And when she was negotiating uh, the agreement to use this space uh, from the, uh, the Baptist church elders, they said, yeah, well, you can rent it, but we just don't want you bringing in any Wiccans or atheists in here, or Buddhists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
works for me. Well, I had to, I had to, I had to peel bumper stickers off my car real quick, you know. <laughs> Routinely surprised uh, at what they'll um, lump together, right? Uh, <laughs> Wiccans, <laughs> Buddhists, because they're the only thing yeah. in common with those guys is that they're not Christian. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you know, being where it is, um, they 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 might have lumped in Catholics too. Uh, right, a lot sure. Of people don't believe that. I happen to be, you know, the coastal area, which is, you know, the original French colony. Uh, there are a lot of Catholics on the coast, but if you get farther up north in Mississippi, it's is not very Catholic at all. Down here, there's a, there's a bit of flexibility, uh, but in a lot of places, they don't consider Catholics to be real Christians. Have you uh, ever experienced any real discrimination because you're an atheist? Yeah. I uh, lost a job opportunity, one that I know of, and, uh, you know, maybe a few that it might have been the reason. Uh, but uh, I was uh, uh, set to, uh, I'm a martial artist, and I was uh, set to um, work with uh, an organization to set up a kid's martial arts uh, gym, Dojo Teach'em. And uh, it, everything was going along fine. They wanted me to do it until I happened to write an article in the paper, you know, the Sun-Herald, uh, on a, a secular theme, and uh, I never heard from them again. So they were okay with you. No problem working with you. Wonderful you got the job. And obviously they read this in the paper, and <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And uh, well, this was around uh, around the time, I think it was uh, a few years ago, when Stephen Prothrow, you know, who's a, a professor of religion, I think, at Boston College, and a really good guy. But he had come out with an article. He was saying, yes, we should have Bible study classes in school. You know, it's so important as part of our cultural and literary heritage. And uh, I, it was a good article, but I, I thought it, he needed to stretch it farther. And in my view, yes, you know, like a lot of us, I do believe uh, we need to study religion on, you know, on, you know, on a secular basis, comparative religion. So I uh, just added in my comments that, well, we should not only study the Bible, but we should study all the other religions around the Middle East when uh, Christianity and, and, uh, and Judaism were forming, you know, the Mithraites the Egyptians, the uh, the Greek uh, uh, mystery religions, you know, because it's all part of uh, the growth of Christianity. And uh, uh, I said it should be in that context. Um, Gee, that sounds fair. Yeah. Yeah. But well, unfortunately... job. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, right. Mims, I don't think you can count this as uh, discrimination. Um, the reason why is if you were better at martial arts like Steven Seagal, you would have just gone and kicked all of their asses and got the job anyway. No, in order to be totally good at martial arts, you have to be like Chuck Norris and believe in God. I think uh, that the reason was they um, caught uh, Mims Carter being in a part of the atheist agenda and trying to recruit, using their martial arts facility, which is probably dedicated to God in Mississippi, to recruit for the atheist <laughs> cause. And we all know it's Satan so is behind take, take Chuck Norris. I can take <laughs> I don't know. I've seen uh, a couple episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, he's pretty tough. No, and you know, the... you know, he's not a racist because he had a black guy as his partner. <laughs> no, as man, long geez. as. As long as the black guy's Christian, he'll tolerate him. Yeah, he'll tolerate him. <laughs> right. But, Mims, now, you as a martial Maybe artist... Maybe he's a Ugandan uh, Christian, and, just, and he's not homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> Did Chuck yeah. ever have any homosexuals on the show? I, I've never watched it. You've got to draw the line somewhere. 
But, uh, Mims, if you were fighting Chuck Norris, much like Bruce Lee did, would you ever grab his oh, what a and rip it off? Pardon me? <laughs> would you ever grab his chest hair and rip it off and then blow it out of your fingers? Yeah. <laughs> you know, though, if he has any chest hair left, it'd be a prosthetic. So you just rip that whole prosthetic chest off of him and reveal his What I'm thinking now is I'd have to rip out hair from his ears or his nose. You know? <laughs> that would be the old. I'm an old guy, and I know it stops growing on your head and starts coming out of your nose. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> is that part of God's plan? I mean, why? You know? Well, you could uh, always ask why men have nipples. Yeah. Ask a Christian that. <laughs> I have. I, I always get an odd look. Well, they, you know, yeah. and this goes back to, um, you know, we we talk a lot. Like I say, uh, uh, we have some, some fairly active uh, groups down here, and uh, there's a growing movement down here to get out of the closet, because we really have been. And a lot of people do have to protect their their jobs and their standing in the community. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, and I'm, I'm really pleased to see it, have started changing their minds uh, about that. And I keep telling them, you know, it gets easier. You know, at first it's not easy being a, an out atheist down here, but it gets easier. You lose friends, but so what? You know, um, the ones you have, you can count on. I have good, good religious friends who just value me for, for who I am. But uh, one of the things I do, when somebody asks me, uh, you know, I'm introduced, and I say, they say, where do you go to church? Uh, I will say, what style of underwear do you prefer? I mean, do you like briefs or boxers or, you know? And they gasp. And, Why, that's yeah. so personal. And, you know, my point is it's real personal, you know? So, um, you know, those are the kind of things that I would expect to discuss with somebody more, that I'm on more intimate terms with. And so a lot of people have adopted that. It's, it's you know, it works. I like it. The the movement to to out uh, yourself, um, following um, the the almost the exact same movement uh, for homosexuals, I think is huge because I have a I have a friend who refuses to call himself an atheist purely because of the stigma attached to it, and I think that's a mistake because the more people who do that, the the less other people are aware that there are a that there are atheists around them. Or B, the atheists are really nice guys instead of uh, um, baby-sacrificing uh, Wiccans. Well, not only that, Charlie, but I mean, yeah, or Buddhists, Buddhists, of course. Well, those guys are just, <laughs> everybody should kick a Buddhist ass, but... Uh, that's but, easy I mean, well, you know, pacifists. That's an interesting conversation that, you know, has, has been around for a while. You know, uh, Harris, um, you know, raised that at the atheist convention a couple of years ago um, and you know the brights movement well you know let's stop calling ourselves atheists start calling ourselves brights and, and stuff like that that's a mistake i think I, I don't know you know i i see their point you know uh you know when dennett talks about it he says well we're not brights as opposed to dim they're, they're actually trying to do a conscious recreation you know a meme like uh like with the homosexuality community which i think we can learn a lot of uh, from on how they've handled uh, their, the enhancement of their social status. Sure, uh, but know, what they've done is they took a pejorative term, a term that had negative uh, connotations or associations, and they owned it. The uh, corollary isn't brights, because that never has a, a, a negative association with it. The corollary would probably be atheist, which does. You take it and you own it and say, look, not only am I atheist, but I'm proud to tell you about it. 
Well, I think the um, most important thing here is forcing people to deal with it. I mean, uh, growing up and uh, when when you came out as an atheist, Charlie, I, I don't think I ever talked to you about this, but I mean, I always got sideways comments about, oh, Charlie's an atheist. And I mean, it, it always had this bad stigma. And then yeah. when I came out as an atheist and said, hey, look, I don't believe, it actually forced people to deal with it. And I think yes. the more people that are forced to deal with it, the more people will realize, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this stigma isn't so bad, which is why I think everybody should just come out and say they're atheists instead of hiding. Right. A little bit easier for us because my job is certainly not on the line. Um, the majority of docs I work with are not religious. And certainly in, in Utah, it's a little easier, although there is there there is a huge stigma still. But again, it's kind of self-selecting. If, if, you're, uh, if you want to hang out with me or talk to me or have conversations and you can't tolerate the fact that I'm atheist, you don't hang out with me anymore. Well, that's very true. I mean, uh, seeing how I don't work and I get paid state funds, uh, I, I live <laughs> off the taxpayers, uh, coming out as an atheist was very easy for me. I don't... <laughs> Has it caused you any problems in your job as, a, as a, an apartment manager? Uh, well, actually, uh, it, it's kind of funny because... Uh, there's a there's a few people that when they discover I'm an atheist that they have actually avoided me, whereas there are others who uh, discover I'm atheist and they actually want to talk about it. And so I'll yeah. bring it up, I'll talk to them about it, and uh, very very few actually know about the show. And those ones are are the ones who uh, <laughs> who agree with me and like to chuckle about it. Gotcha. So I think we have an easier time than Mims Carter. I think. Yeah, in, yeah. in fact, I liked I liked those that were avoiding me. Then I didn't have to talk to them. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's you know, that's what I've found. You know, it hasn't cost me much. Um, well, you know, getting laid thing is one thing, but you know, in terms of friends, <laughs> that's well, a that's lot. what drugs um, are for. We we already talked about you drugging your current wife. So that's yeah. what that's what the internet's for. <laughs> uh, she's my ex-wife. She, I married this woman. You know, she was a nominal Catholic and. Unfortunately, I, I, I kind of forgot, and she was a, a Cajun, too. You know, I married a girl from uh, French Louisiana. That's a spitfire um, there. Yeah, she was uh, twice as fast as a snake and about four times as mean. But, um, <laughs> you she know, sounds when like I met her, she was just kind of a nominal Catholic, you know, and okay, you know, that's it. But, you know, as they get older, they get more more uh, dogmatic about that stuff. They absolutely do. I totally agree with you on that. They tend to have open minds um, uh, until especially they have children. God, now I'm getting myself into trouble just like Leighton. Now I'm Yeah, you're, you're digging Thanks a hole. A lot. Here. Now you're rubbing off on me, Leighton. Well, I think that's it's what a general I like to do, Charlie. In, I like to rub up against you. Oh, I mean in rub my, off. In my limited anecdotal experience, uh, <laughs> my wife definitely... to take my job on the show. <laughs> Definitely got more conservative and more religious after having children. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Hormones? I don't know. But I uh, think that's uh, true of uh, rats that they did experiments on late, and it's just science. <laughs> rats got more religious after they had children too. Yes, yes. Well, well when, when you spit out thirty children, I, I think it's time <laughs> to start thinking about what happens when they die. <laughs> Your mortality, <Yeah. laughs> which is not too far away. By that time. <laughs> <laughs> for the rat. So yeah, um, so did you guys kind of drift apart? Is that what happened? The religion cost you your marriage? Well, it was one of the factors, uh, and a, a, a lot of increasing rigidity and um, 
our daughter, you know, kind of interesting, you know, if anybody here is, you know, you always get those questions, well, how do you, as an atheist, how do you raise your daughter? Should you, you know, keep her away from religion? Should you try to get her into all religions? How do you do it? I made a pact that, you know, I married a Catholic, nominal Catholic, but we got married in a Catholic church. I had no problems with sending my daughter to a Catholic school, especially since it was right across the street from where I worked, and I could keep an eye on them there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, she got the indoctrination, but she also had the benefit of uh, a father who, you know, was honest with her from, from the start, uh, according to her lover, about what I believed and, and, and got her to question it. And, um, you know, she turned out really well. Uh, she, uh, she went to the only dedicated school to math and science in the whole state. She had to go away to the Mississippi uh, High School for Math and Science. And uh, in her junior year on, on uh, their, their website, when she gave out her personal information, she was the only one in the entire school of uh, 300 kids. When it said religion, she put down atheist. So it's amazing to me that uh, at the age of 12 or 15, that you had the intellectual capacity to, to um, declare yourself an atheist or your daughter. I know when I was 12, 18, I had doubts. I had questions that were unanswered, but I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I thought that, you know... My, eventually my questions be answered or uh, it should be fine. So it always amazes me when these young guys can actually put that together and, and uh, step out and say, I'm an atheist. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. I know if you ever, you know, listen to James Randi, he had the same experience very early age, and then some people come to it later. I think it, uh, I don't know, it, it matters that you come around to it eventually, I think. Yeah, maybe. And you know, my daughter... My daughter may change her mind, and that'd be fine. I have never pushed it on her. I uh, I just answered her questions and told her what I believed. You know, she had her cho she has her choice of believing whatever she wants. Well, and see, that's, that's the interesting difference between those who are atheist and those who are religious. Um, if you're religious and you go atheist, then the entire world comes crumbling down. If you're atheist and you know someone who goes atheist to religion, it's like, it's all right. I don't agree with your views, but, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Uh, well, I, know, I know with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the Mormons and, and down here, too, you know, where, where your, uh, your family it's so wrapped up in the community and that Mormon meme that, uh, you know, if you break away from it, it can be devastating to your family life. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to um, I, I tend to do a quick mental assessment of people. I, I uh, give them an estimated IQ points, and, and I'll deduct IQ points, uh, a lot of IQ points if you're a Baptist, quite a few if you're Mormon, not as many if you're Catholic because... <laughs> There are a whole lot of Catholics that have a sense of this proud um, intellectual philosophical tradition and a lot of uh, Catholic philosophers. But most of all, if you have a southern accent, that drops about 50 IQ points. <laughs> well, you know, um, getting back to my original rant on you guys, <laughs> when you were ranting against that other podcast, at least you all don't try to put on this stupid fake southern accent for everybody who's done it. <laughs> I had to stop listening on that podcast. They, I know, they, they I know. It's they, just... they seemed to think it was uh, humorous, and I got the impression that they had done it before, and I thought, oh, my God, that's uh, that's awful. Well, see, yeah, I don't think really I could cool. lower my IQ that low enough to do an accent. Well, here's the thing. I think, uh, Mims, you and your daughter, uh, it may depend on your IQ. So if you're really smart, you're an atheist at 12, 
uh, and then at 15, I was an atheist by, let's see, 26 or 27, and the dumbest of all is Leighton, who just barely became yeah. an atheist. Hey, 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 not barely, 29. <laughs> Come on. I can agree that I am the dumb one on the podcast. I'm pretty sure that's universal to all of our listeners. Yeah, Leighton became an atheist just a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, oh. that's that's true. Are you even sure? while Well, even while doing this podcast, I've still been going to church. <laughs> he has doubts. <laughs> You all listen to uh, the, that podcast uh, uh, and, and video out of uh, uh, out of Austin, Texas, the uh, Atheistical Experience. You know, they have a guy there, Matt Dillahunty, who uh, seems incredibly bright to me, and yet he was a believer well past even even Leighton's enlightenment, I think, you know? So, <laughs> so, so I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't think it really tracks with IQ. I don't know what it is. It, it's, it's a mindset. I do not think that um, the scientific attitude and skepticism really has much to do with your intelligence. I think it's 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 something new in our our makeup. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the um, the human ability to compartmentalize completely disparate beliefs um, allows you to be very very smart. Uh, Ken Miller, for example, yeah, extremely exactly. smart biologist. Um, theistic evolution. He believes, you know, in, in another compartment of his brain, he has this concept that, that God exists and he's Catholic. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with both of you, because if Mims Carter gets the Skunk Dick Awards they, all these weeks, I get the dumb one of the podcast because it took me longest to convert to atheism. So I'm sorry, I disagree with you entirely. Now, Leighton, no one's arguing that you're really stupid. Um, okay. The uh, as long as no one's bringing that into question. That there's no correlation with stupidity and uh, <laughs> religiosity. <laughs> <laughs> or the reverse, which would be uh, high intelligence and uh, uh, atheism. You yeah. guys have heard, uh, like, William Lane Craig, uh, the yeah. uh, Christian apologist who, you know, comes on with that, uh, the uh, cosmological, psalm uh, cosmology. I mean, I listen yeah. to that guy, and the guy, the guy's smart. And so, so deluded. I mean, what's up with that, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. But I, I, I can't doubt his intelligence. The the Kalam cosmological argument, he, he comes with this, and um, he's debated people. Um, I think Didn't he debate uh, Dan Barker? He just debated Barker. Uh, I saw him... Uh, debate, uh, uh, who's uh, the physicist who wrote? Uh, Lawrence uh, Strauss. Not Strauss. Oh, goodness, I've got his book right here. Um, Stanger. Oh, Vic, Stanger. Vic Stanger. Yeah. I saw him debate him, and you know, the guy holds his own. I mean, uh, and, but if you listen to him closely, it's not so much his uh, intellectual intelligence, but his uh, ability to you know, manipulate emotionally. Yeah. You know, well, it's it, 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 but it's incredible. I mean, I think there's yeah. emotional intelligence too, and I think that's where the theists, uh, you know, get a leg up sometimes. Sure, and that's they, why debate is the incorrect format for resolving these questions. Debate's I all totally about agree. rhetoric and your ability to persuade. That has nothing to do with the truth or falsity of a claim. <laughs> I mean, if if anything, <laughs> the, the ancient Greeks, the sophists, demonstrated that. You know, in in 400 BC, um, but you know, well, I think this like this a... whole debate could be solved with an email that my dad sent me, wherein the title was <laughs> "What's Important: Knowledge or Truth." That uh, that's that's all it takes, right there. God, I, it, your your dad needs to take an epistemology course. <laughs> <laughs> but if he did, I wouldn't get these shining emails. Yeah. yeah. 
true enough. All right, well, well that, uh, what'd you say? Um, well, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Richard Dawkins was asked, why, why don't you debate William Lane Craig? And he said, that guy's only task in life is to debate. Right. You know, I'll, I'll uh, talk about what I believe, but, you know, uh, it's not, I'm not going to debate a professional debater. Right. You know? um, it's like taking on an attorney. I mean, you do that every, every hour of their life is spent debating or preparing to debate. Um, and you're right. just not you're not going to come across. It's a no-win situation. Plus, I like the I don't know who said it, but it was a professor who was uh, invited to debate against a creationist, and he said that would look good on your resume, not so good on mine. <laughs> 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 it does falsely elevate them to the level of Richard Dawkins, who spent his life in scholarly research and uh, trying to uh, expand the public's knowledge of this stuff. They don't have the credentials. Yeah. They should be put on the same pedestal. We should probably wind it up. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to say? It's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm going to be a faithful listener of the podcast. Um, we need uh, more voices, even skunk voices. <laughs> we appreciate your sense of humor and your willingness to come on the, uh, yeah. our podcast. We'll, we'll do well, our best to chase you away in the humor, future. I wouldn't have survived as, a, as an atheist in southern Mississippi for this long. Excellent. Good yeah. point. Very good point. <laughs> Any final questions, Leighton? You're trying to talk over our guest so rudely. Uh, excuse me. I was talking first. He talked second. He was talking over me. <laughs> and now you're all quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no. No new questions. All right, fantastic. <laughs> well, I was just waiting to see if he would talk over our, me again. Our, our you know, uh, it, it's it's pertinent for a skunk dick. See, there he goes again. God, he said he was trying to tell you that we're cutting out. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right, excellent. Oh no, am I going to win again? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you are. We both know that you're cheating. You're getting into the computer and you're voting for yourself. All right. Thanks again, Mims. It was a pleasure having you on the show, and we appreciate uh, appreciate you listening and uh, your willingness to come on. Thanks again. But you better not change your view, or we'll beat your ass, even if you do know martial arts. <laughs> okay, goodbye. All right, you take care. Take care. Bye. <laughs>